Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. What tremendous singing this morning. Uh, thankful for the truth of what they're singing. I'm thankful that He is the rock on which we can stand. Uh, even as we sing about Christ being our hope, you know, a lot of things in life people set their hope in, it's, it comes and goes. The, the foundation of your hope is unsettled, and some days your hope seems firm, some days your hope seems strong, if your hope is ever in anything besides Jesus. But I'm thankful He's steady, and our hope in Him is always secure, and it's always settled. And it's not like the things of this world that's fleeting and coming and going, but our hope in Him is secure. And I'm grateful for that this morning. I do. As Pastor James was mentioned, I want to praise the Lord. He is so kind and gracious to each of us. And I thank him for his kindness in my life and how good he's been to me. So many things he allows me to enjoy and so many things he has gifted, uh, blessed my life with, put in my life, gifted my life with, and I praise his name. Everything I have above nothing, I owe him the credit and the glory for, and so I praise him this morning. He's been so kind to me, and I'm thankful. Um, If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn with me once again this Sunday to John 17, and we'll finish... Uh, this chapter this morning, Lord willing, and uh, hope that you can turn there with uh, an eagerness to hear the conclusion of Jesus' prayer here in John 17. And I thank the Lord for the excitement He's placed in my heart to share His Word with you this morning. And I'm thankful for how He's spoken to my heart uh, through His Word in preparing to bring you His Word this morning. And as we conclude this chapter, I, I do want us to read the entire chapter together as we've studied through so far. We've just read the verses we were focusing on, uh, but as we'll conclude the prayer today, I want us to read it in, in its entirety and to take it that way. So we will focus on verses 20 through 26, but as you stand with me this morning, if you will, uh, we will begin reading in verse number one and read the entire chapter, the entire prayer of our Lord uh, that's recorded here. The Bible says this, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and thy 
and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray together. O righteous Father, Lord, we want to come before you and thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for truth. God, as we have read even in these very verses, God, your word is truth. And Lord, we're thankful for uh, the fact that in this day, God, when everything around us, the fads come and go, things come and go, one day this is the way the world says you need to live, this is the correct thing, this is correct morals, this is correct this or that, the next day it's something different. But Lord, I'm thankful we can see beyond all that, we can look beyond all that, and we can look to your word, which is truth, God, and it is never, it is steadfast, it never changes, Lord. And God, we're grateful for this, this reality we can anchor ourselves in. God, thank you for not leaving us in the darkness of this world, but giving us your word and your wisdom that we might live by and that we might base uh, eternity and reality by. And I pray that you'd help us this morning to grab a hold of your truth, place our faith upon it, embrace it and receive it as you said of your disciples that they did with your words. God, help us to do the same this morning. God, help us to hear what thus saith the Lord. Help me to preach what thus saith the Lord and nothing else, nothing less. And certainly there is no more than I can do. God, we love you today. We thank you for first loving us and pray that you would use your truth to sanctify us as we have read in this prayer. God, use your word today. Use this time of studying your scripture to help us to grow, to make us more of what you'd have us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you for first loving us. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. As I said last week, Jesus' hour has now come. That's how his prayer begins. And we know that that means that Jesus knows that his death, burial, and resurrection are soon to follow. We're nearing the end of the Lord's earthly life as we find our place here in John chapter number 17. He is soon going to ascend back to the Father and be glorified there as he prays. He specifically prays for that. And of course, the Lord is going to answer that prayer. But Jesus also knows that because of that, because of that glory that will soon follow in his life, that he's part of that means he's going to be leaving his disciples here on the earth as well. And knowing this, knowing this incredible time that is ahead, this tremendous time that's ahead of, for him and his disciples, what does Jesus do? What is, how does he intend to spend some of his last moments? Well, he gets alone with his father 
He lifts his eyes up to heaven just to, I think, emphasize the fact that prayer is just communication. It's, it's fellowshipping with God our Father. And let us always, as we have been studying in prayer, remember this at baseline about prayer. Prayer is how we talk and conversate with God our Father. That's what's so amazing about prayer. That's what's so special about prayer. That's what makes prayer so meaningful and so powerful is that that is how we talk to our Heavenly Father. And that's why it's so important that you pray. I mentioned this last week as well. That's why it's also so concerning when you don't pray. If we confess to, be, to have been born again in Christ, that God is our Father, that we love Him, that we adore Him, that we believe in Him, and we have no desire to talk to Him, that is concerning. That is an area to give consideration to in our life, that something is not lining up, something is not exactly right. Jesus, by His demeanor, teaches us that prayer at baseline, at essence, is us talking to the Father. If you say, preacher, I don't know how to pray, I don't feel like I'm good at praying, Remember this, prayer is talking to your Heavenly Father. And Jesus' demeanor as He lifts His eyes up to heaven is almost to make eye contact with His Father. Teaches us and emphasizes to us again that prayer is conversating and talking to our Father. Let Jesus' actions be a reminder to us this morning that we need to pray. And I think the more we understand prayer, the more it will go from a need to to a want to. We'll fall in love with the Father. We'll fall in love with talking to Him. And prayer will no longer be something that you have to be as intentional about. It'll just be a, an exercise, a desire, and therefore a practice of your heart. And so Jesus, as the prayer opens in an expression of His humanity, expresses total dependence on the Father. Remember, His prayer is, Father, glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. In verse Number five, he prays the prayer again, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus, in his prayer, is teaching us what we should do in prayer as well, and while we pray, is expressing complete and total dependence on the Father. For the longest, for a while, I had on the church sign, don't declare your independence from God. I read that, and it, at least the idea behind that quote from E.M. Bounds, who has a tremendous uh, book that I have read on prayer. Because in essence, what he explains is, is when you and I don't pray, what you and I are saying, in essence, is that you and I, we don't need God, that I can handle things, that I can take care of things. And Jesus teaches us again in his prayer that that is not the case. Even Jesus in his humanity is expressing the fact that he is relying upon the Father, and that is what drives you and I to pray, to understand what needs to be done in my life, the needs and areas of my life I cannot do anything about, so I go to my Father who can. And that is why we pray, to express dependence on the Father. If you go all the way back to the first week that we studied prayer, we looked at Hannah. Hannah, needed, Hannah wanted a son. Hannah desired a son. But Hannah knew Hannah had come to the end of herself, that she could not bring forth a son. So in dependence on the Father, she prays and lifts her voice up to him. So when you have needs in your life that you have God has brought to fruition for you that you can do nothing about, thank God that's why he's given us prayer. Go to him. Ours in our society, I think maybe in our human nature more so than our society, sometimes it's hard for us to admit our dependence on other things. In fact, a lot of times it's our pride. I'm independent. I can do this on my own. The spirit of prayer is the complete opposite of that. To have a spirit of prayer, to live in a practice of prayer, is to constantly admit, Lord, I can't do this on my own. 
God, I need you. And Jesus even teaches us that in his prayer. And then as Jesus recognizes also again that he's leaving his disciples, a great time of need was ahead for his disciples. He also prayed for them. As I mentioned last week, if you see a time ahead for people you love, people you care for, a time of great testing, a time of great need, follow Jesus' example and pray for them. Prayer is also a means in which we can take the people we love who are facing things that are, that are heavy, facing times of trial, facing times of testing, and lift them up to our Father. Put them in His care, and that's what Jesus does. But then as we focus on verses 20 through 26 this morning, we see Jesus' prayer continues. And now the scope of His prayer is widening. Jesus initially, in verse number 6, prays that for his disciples specifically. You see that also plainly in verse number 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. Jesus is praying specifically in those verses for his disciples, his 11 that are there with him, that God has given him as a gift, as an inheritance, and he's praying specifically for them. Not that we cannot glean from those truths as we did last week, but then number 20 is that scope widens. Jesus says, I'm not just praying for these, my disciples that's here now. God, I'm praying for those which shall believe on me through their word. Jesus specifically is praying now for all those who will believe through the witness of the disciples. He's praying for those who are not yet believers but will be. So now we can specifically see Jesus praying for you. I can see Jesus praying for me. If you're here today and you've never believed on Christ, if you will believe on Christ, and today you can too, can hear Him praying for you. And as Jesus prays and lifts His heart to His Father as He's praying, and as praying truly is, we can take a look into the heart of Jesus for you. I can take a look into the heart of Jesus for me. What what does He want for us? What, what burdened Jesus' heart so much that as his life was drawing to a close and as he's praying for you and I, what burdened his heart so much that he would say, God, would you do this in their life? What is Jesus praying for in our life? What is his burden for us? Well, first of all, this morning we can see in verses 20 through 23, Jesus wants us to be in perfect unity. This is, as, you, as I, if Sunday school teacher, if you've ever taught a lesson, as you study, you know things begin to, to, to burden your heart, you begin to meditate on things, and this has been something I can truly tell you I have meditated on that has been, uh, consumed my thoughts, you go to dinner, you sit at dinner, and this, this stuff you study comes to mind, and this is something I have thought about a lot this week. Jesus in his final, some of his final days, as he prays for his believers then and as as all believers that would come to know him, think about all the things that he could pray for us. All the things that you might would think Jesus would pray for us. But what what is the first thing he prays for you and I as believers is that we would have perfect unity. So Jesus says in verse number 20, I'm not just praying for these, I'm praying for those which shall believe on me through their word. So on that, let me say that your word, which what that means is their witness makes a difference. 
according to this verse. God, by you testifying of His marvelous grace, by you telling people the truth of Jesus Christ, God can use you to bring people to faith in Him. And let that encourage us this morning to be full-time evangelists, if you will. Let us hear the word of the Lord this morning to encourage us to continually and constantly and faithfully tell people about Jesus because he can use, God can use that to bring people to faith in Him. You see this in the book of Acts as the early church unfolds. They were faithful. And the church, the gospel has reached us today in America, a land miles and miles and miles, ocean, an ocean away from where the gospel started. So what I'm telling you this morning is based on verse number 20 is your witness can make a difference. Tell people about Jesus. Because you never know what God might do through your witness. And so then in verse number 21 you see his prayer. What is his prayer? I'm not just praying for these alone, but for all them which shall believe that they all may be one. Again, his first prayer for us as believers is that they, we would be one. The word one means to be united. It means the opposite or it is the opposite of being many or being divided into parts. And so by hearing Jesus' prayer this morning, let the seriousness of our unity as believers settle in upon our heart. Jesus has already prayed for this in verse number 11 for his, his group of disciples that were there with him now. He says, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. Again, he says that they may be one as we are one. You and I this morning need to be very mindful of discord between us and anyone. It could be discord between you and your wife. It could be discord between you and a, a brother or a sister in Christ, another family member. But you and I should hear the seriousness of our unity through the prayer of Jesus. Again, Jesus' prayer is not, Lord, help them to build churches that hold thousands. God, not, His first prayer is not, Lord, help them to... Uh, to build the best and most wonderful sounding choirs in their church. His first prayer is that they may be one. When Jesus was accused of casting out demons through Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, Jesus explained that a house divided against itself will not stand. So you and I this morning cannot divide into parts within the family of God. And don't be reasoned this morning for which Jesus' prayer is not answered. Because a lot of times we can harbor discord in our own hearts. We can refuse to apologize. We can refuse to offer forgiveness. And that stands in complete contrast to the desire in the heart of Jesus for you and I. One reason it's so important that you and I, that we have unity with one another is because it pictures our unity with the Father. He says in verse 21, As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Because our unity pictures our relationship, or should picture our relationship and our unity with Christ. But Jesus also says in verse number 21, that, that this unity would be preserved, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. When we lack unity, we hinder the visible, again, the visible testimony that Jesus has truly been sent 
of God. Our unity is a powerful, as our unity, our being the corporate body of Christ, which of course should then come down to our level within our local churches. But when we have discord among us, or rather on the contrary, when we have unity, it speaks loudly to the world about the reality of Christ and the reality of His coming. Verse number 22, Christ says, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. And why did He do that? So that they may be one, even as we are one. When we are not at unity, we are not given a true and accurate picture of who we are in Christ, of who Christ has made us, because we are one in the Father, and He is also in the Father. We're all brought together in perfect unity. And what Christ is praying is that we would live that out. So he says again, and I and them, thou and me, that the, they may be made perfect in one. And that the world, again, his concern is that the world could see this unity, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. See, it's a powerful testimony to the world. When we who say that we believe in Jesus have total unity, with each other. And I understand this morning this unity has to be based on truth. This unity is based on coming together under the authority of Scripture. But our unity, when it's based on truth, is evidence to the world of God's love for us about the reality of what God has done in our hearts. If we say that Christ has saved us and brought us together in the family of Christ, but then we act like bitter rivals, you can see why that would be confusing to a world to look upon. But rather when we as people who have different backgrounds, different stories, different preferences can come together and show unity, how it speaks volumes to the reality of Jesus and His working in our hearts. It shows that we have been true subjects of the love of God. The picture given by Paul, which helps me to see this so clearly, is that we are a body. When we are saved, we are baptized into this body by the Holy Ghost. There's arms, there's hands, there's fingers, there's toes, there's legs in a body. And everybody serves different functions and different purposes. But a body to be all that it needs to be works together as one. The foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. The eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. The body is a picture of the unity in which we should share in Christ, in, first, in, first, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says this, that God has designed us as believers and baptized us into the body so that there would be no schism, is what the King James Version says, which means split or division in the body, but that members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or whether one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. So are we so unified this morning that whether when one of our believers or brothers and sisters in Christ rejoice, we can rejoice with them? Or when one of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ hurt, are we so unified that we can hurt alongside of them? This is what Jesus is praying for, that they may be one. So by God's grace, let us be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer for unity. Before we move to verse 
number 24. I want you to think about, just to, to leave you with something else to think about. Jesus says, God, that the world may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them. That would be you and me as much as you have loved me. To think about the fact that God loves us as much as he loves his son is just a very humbling thought this morning. But then, secondly, today we see what Jesus, what else Jesus' heart is for us. And this, again, I think will humble you, even to your knees. He says, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, listen to his request, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is literally telling his father. As he prays, Father, I just, I just want to be with my people. I just want to be with them. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to be with me. As I read those words, I thought about the way a loving husband would say that about his bride. Just want to be, I just want to be with him. I just want to, I don't really care, maybe you've, you've said this before, thought, I don't really care what we do in speaking about your mate, I just, I just enjoy being with them. I used to say that about Brianna, but I don't know what happened. But at one point, of course, I'm kidding, but, amen, goes there. But, Husbands, if hopefully your love hasn't waned, but if it has, go back to when it was strong. And there's a whole other issue we'll not deal with right this second. But you, at some point in your time in your life, I'm sure have had that heart of I just I just want to be with her. Well, that's what I hear Jesus saying, Lord. I just want to be with them. I just want to be with my people. And that's humbling. He just wants us to be together. That's powerful. Jesus is about to leave us, leave his disciples. He, he knows he's going to go away. And he says, Lord, my desire is that the ones you've given me would be where I am. And notice, though, why this, his, or what he desires for us while we're there together, that they may behold my glory. He wants us to be together where he is. And in other words, he's not... He's saying he wants us to be together in heaven, in the presence of his Father. He wants us to be together where we can see him in all of his glory. As he walked on earth, he was, as willingly he had veiled that glory to take on a robe of flesh. But Jesus is saying, Lord, my desire is that they could see me in all my splendor and all my glory and all my beauty. And be sure of this, beloved, one day we will see the answer to this prayer. We will be together with Christ in the place where His glory is manifested, where it shines brighter than ten suns. One day this prayer will be answered. You and I will be together with Him where His glory is no longer veiled. You and I will see him in all that he's worth. You and I will see what Peter, James, and John saw in the Mount of Transfiguration. One day, we'll get to see that. That was Jesus' prayer. And then finally, 
verses 25 and 26, we see Jesus wants God's love for himself to be in you and to be in me. He says, O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Again, our, our connection, if you will, our mediators, the more biblical term to God is Christ. The world don't know him, but Jesus does. And you and I come to know the Father by trusting that God has sent him. And so Jesus says, again, we see his media, mediatorial work in the sense that he has declared unto the world God's name. He has manifested God. He has been his express image. Jesus says, I will declare it. And here again is his desire, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them as well. Very plain, applicable question to take from this and apply to your life is, do, do you love Jesus with the same intensity and passion that God the Father does? That's Jesus' desires, that the love wherewith you have loved me, God, would be in them. you want to know God today, listen to Jesus' words. The world has not known thee. If you want to know God today, if you want to be able to talk to Him in prayer and have that personal fellowship, then you must believe, as Jesus' words point our mind to, that He is the only access to the Father. You have no other way to Him. morning as we close, does this prayer not remind you that you are special to Jesus? And is that not one of the most humbling thoughts ever passed through our minds? As we stand together this morning, our musicians, if you will, come, come around. Ms. Tamer, you can begin playing whenever you find your place there. Again, the context of the prayer. Jesus is about to leave this earth. He's about to endure the mockery, the pain, the wrath of God poured out for sin. That was so much of our focus last week as it precludes the resurrection. All that lies ahead of Jesus. And who's on his mind? You and I. I mentioned last week you've heard the song when he was on the cross I was on his mind well what we can see with scriptural truth is that when he was on the way to the cross certainly we can say we was on his mind he's praying for us and in his prayer we see his desires for us his desires that we would have perfect unity that we might be together where he is so we can see his glory and that the love that God has for His Son would also be in you and I. So I'd ask you today, do you have discord with anyone? According to Jesus' prayer, it needs to be dealt with. It's a serious matter. You say, preacher, they've, you don't know how they've done me wrong. You just don't know how much we don't get along. And I'm not saying you have to agree on everything. That's not, that's not the picture. But discord is a serious matter. It hinders our testimony to the world. It's not a picture of our relationship in Christ because we're all brought together. God don't put the one group in this body over here and then the other group he put in this body over here. We're one big body. And we need to act like it. 
also this morning, you might be here and you're discouraged. You might be ready to throw in the towel. Well, let verse number 24 be the jump to your heart that you need. That one day we'll be together with Christ. You may begin to feel as you go in this life and trouble and trial comes your way from every direction, you may begin to get very, very homesick. Well, remember this, God will answer Christ's prayer. And we'll be together with Him one day, where He is. He, we're not going to be here in this old world forever. We're going to get to be where He is. And in this world that seems to trample all over Jesus, one day we'll see Him in all His beauty, in all His splendor. We'll be with Him in the place where there'll be no need of a sun, because this light would be too dim. So just hold on. Or is there other things this morning that's captured your love? Other things that has your heart's affection, has the throne of your heart more than Christ. Jesus' prayer is that the love of God for His Son would also be in you. If you recognize this morning that your love has waned, maybe you respond to the word of the Lord by praying that your affections would be set in the way they should be and in an order that's pleasing to the Father. As Mark comes around and leads us, if you need to respond, these altars are open. You come and pray. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.